0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Sub Talks. I'm Craig Dale, your host, and together with our special guests, we'll take a deep dive into the topics, challenges, and opportunities facing SAP users today. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ian Mallinson, IT Director at Warburton's and also board member, director of UK So welcome Ian. Hi, Greg. And today's episode is the latest in our series of interviews with senior IT leaders to hear about their career highs and lows, and plus tips for getting ahead and the challenges they've faced throughout their career. Now then, just before we get into that conversation, Just a a quick icebreaker question, Ian, if I may. And I thought we'd talk about TV adverts. Now, Warburton's been known for its celebrity adverts over the years with the likes of George Clooney, Sylvester Stallone, and Robert De Niro to name but a few making guest appearances. So what I would like to know is, what is your favourite or most memorable TV advert? The one that comes immediately to mind to me while I'm asking that question is the Buddington's one. Do you want a flake in that, love? That's the one that just brings to my mind Melanie Sykes in an ice cream van, dishing out beer. What's yours, Ian?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm tempted to use a Warburton's one. Um, so I'll give two. Uh, I think my my favourite Warburton's advert is the uh, is the one with the Muppets, uh, the, the Giant Crumpets one uh, with Kermit and Miss Piggy, and I, I just think that was absolutely superb. And, and my kids love that one. But I, I particularly like the one on the, on the beer side. Um, wasn't there a Peter K one? Where, was it John Smith when he jumps in a swimming yeah, pool? Yeah. I, I love that one. So that, there's, there's your answer. The,
0: the, 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 oh, jo- the, the John Smith Peter K one. Oh, there's been a few of them as well. There was the Curry House one, wasn't there? Two more Lambooners over here, that, and then the Avit one with the football. Yeah, brilliant. Point. And of course,
1: he's featured in one of our adverts, being from Bolton as well.
0: Fantastic. Okay, moving on to uh, the reason we're here today, really. And that's, just to get us started, Ian, I just wanted to ask about your background and how you actually ended up in the field of IT and indeed SAP. I think it's fair to say that you didn't really come from a traditional IT background so it'd be great to start there at the beginning if we may.
1: Yeah probably probably an unconventional route. I, I used to introduce myself as the IT director with no previous IT experience, and and at one point that was true. I I can't really say that seven years in, but I am relatively new to IT. Uh, I started my career uh, with a degree in mechanical engineering, and I I actually my first job was working in the design team for uh, a defense company, making the, the Challenger 2 tank. And but I've quickly realized I didn't really want to be in the design office, I wanted to move into the manufacturing area and led manufacturing teams making the components for the Challenger tube tank. And I did a number of other manufacturing and site management roles in that area, but I, uh, I decided that I wanted to move on to, to supply chain. So that my next step was to move into uh, head of supply chain roles with, with the packaging business, actually making beverage cans. Uh, for the likes of Coca Cola, uh, Guinness, Carlsberg, and so on. And, and I loved my time in supply chain. That's actually how I arrived at Warburton's. My first role in Warburton's 12 years ago now was as head of supply chain planning. And what a great supply chain that is. And we'll probably talk a bit about that later. So, it, you know, it's only a little in my career that the, the IT director role came up and my heart actually skipped a beat. And I thought, could I? Is that, could that work? Um, so I talked to the CFO about that and, uh, you know, we debated it. Would, would that be right? And so on. And we, you know, and anyway, after, you know, actually quite an extended period of time where we, where we entertained the idea, we decided we'd give it a go. Not, not because of my IT experience, naturally, but probably because of the, the business understanding that came from having worked in the supply chain role at Warburton's. And probably quite a lot to do with cultural fit, which is really important in our business. Anyway, seven years later, I, I'm still in the job, and I think everyone involved has, has been happy with the decision that, that was taken.
0: Well, you certainly must be doing something right seven years in.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And <I'm> still <laughs> loving it, by the way.
1: You know, I just, everywhere I look there's just opportunities uh, for digital saleware.
0: Yeah. Kind of, I suppose, at this juncture with all the supply chain issues that have been kind of in the midst for the past what 18 months or so and i assume that background has set you in good stead as well for for the business Warburtons is in and, and making sure that it still continues no oh, for sure um you know, i think the, the part
1: i bring i you know I, I can't set up a network or a virtual server or anything of like that nature but um i i can help stand in the shoes of our supply chain colleagues and make sure that my team in IT are totally aligned. And you know, through the crisis, um, we, we, we actually slowed down on a lot of change activity because it just wasn't the right thing to be doing. So where, where transformation and change activity reduced, we realigned our IT team to make sure, both in our bakeries and in our logistics network, that we were absolutely lined up to support the teams through, through that
0: two-year period. Okay. And how big is your team at Warburton's?
1: We're around 14 size, uh, sometimes up, sometimes down um, and split across three main functions: IT operations, so networks, data centers, devices, servers, security, that type of thing SAP basis, of course in that. And IT applications with a team of IT you know, business facing IT business partners and, and business analysts. That have expertise in most of, most areas of SAP, but but also working on non SAP applications as well, and as sm- thirdly, a, a small PMO to program management office, just a small PMO team that just ensures we manage the, the change and improvement side of our delivery effectively.
0: Okay, and would would you say there are any particular IT challenges linked to working for an organization that produces a lot of perishable goods, perhaps with a limited shelf life? I mean, you've obviously moved from tanks to crumpets, so challenges there. Oh, uh, it's it's a massively high
1: volume supply, high velocity supply chain, I should say. Um, there's there's challenges and benefits uh, to having a supply chain like that. It, because we're daily fresh, the good news is we don't need to worry too much about complex stock control. As we're daily fresh, we turn our stocks over every day. If you look in our warehouses at 4:30 in the morning after the delivery vans have left, our warehouses are empty. So in that sense, simple. But on the other side, the challenge is. Again, we don't have stock. So we go from raw materials to the supermarket shelf, typically within 24 hours. It's so, so important we do that for freshness. So system uptime, uh, stable system functionality is absolutely key. We don't have any state safety stocks to lean on. And the other thing I would say, because we direct a store every day for freshness, it means um, we're delivering to between ten and 15,000 stores every day. Um, and... I sometimes describe that as being like a parcel delivery service, but we're baking the parcels from scratch every day.
0: Yeah. Hence why we see uh, a fair amount of Warburton's uh, lorries on the roads.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think we've
0: got... Oh, our,
1: our fleet is probably 900 vehicles somewhere in that order. So, yeah, it's quite a, quite a logistics undertaking. But we think it's important to deliver direct-to-store for freshness to go straight from our bakeries and depots directly to the supermarket shelf.
0: And obviously we, we, we touched on your background in the supply chains and you know, how, how that can you know, support in the challenges that's been around in 18 months and how, how has that background helped you when working with SAP in this business?
1: Yeah, well, well, before I joined Warburtons, I, I had two or three previous supply chain roles, and and they those organisations were SAP customers. So I had a pretty good understanding of, as to how SAP can be used to manage supply chains. But from a business user's perspective, not from an IT perspective. But but I guess what that also told me is what SAP might be less good at or less able to do. And the, the challenge was when I, when I came into Warburtons, even before I took the IT role was it It was clear to me some of the unique challenges of, of being daily fresh in this kind of stockless environment where there's, you know, orders are coming in every day. There's this kind of in-week seasonality going on that SAP alone was not enough and we, we've needed to graft on some best-of-breed non-SAP applications on top of that, uh, on top of
0: our SAP core.
1: But we found that works quite well.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. And so... We're looking at that and then looking to the future if, if you project forward what what are your future plans for SAP at Walburns?
1: ok well we're currently running a business suite on HANA so we made the, the HANA step probably 5-6 years ago now and not really any functionality benefit but it's certainly speeded the system up and we, you know, we, have, we have billions of transactions every day so that helped so we're on HANA and um, but the logical next step for us is to move to S four, and we we are in in the process of planning a, a brownfield migration. We'll we'll migrate what we've got across to S four, Hannah, and that's a project that we'll launch shortly. We're actually going for the investment needed for that next week. So hopefully after next week we get the nod and we'll be on our way. So if we do that, we'll we'll run that S four migration over the next twelve months. Uh, and, uh, and and at this stage though, the aim is to really just keep that as much as possible to. Do a technical migration, get across, uh, get get it all stable, and then work to take the, the, the value and the benefits from the root to S four as a subsequent step. Mm-hmm. So that's our core. Outside our core, we we have recently implemented uh, success factors and a, uh, commerce cloud and sales cloud, and we we took this. That's in. They're working. But we'll, you know, there's more functionality in there that we can get at. So what the other, in, in terms of SAP, the other things we'll be focusing on is extracting more value and more functionality out of those cloud solutions uh, over the next couple of years.
0: Interesting. It, it, quite, quite rightly so as well. It, it, it's you know, it talked earlier, you know, about adoption and things and. You know, talking about moving to S4, already implemented others and getting that value is is, is crucial uh, to the business and focusing on that is, is uh, you know, I think vital to, to the future of uh, getting more return on that investment in SAP.
1: Hi, we're the UK and Ireland SAP user group. Did you know we're a fiercely independent not-for-profit Did you know we're a vibrant community of over 6,500 SAP users? And did you know we help each other by sharing resources, championing education and influencing SAP's future development? Well, you do now. If you'd like to get the most from your SAP investments and be in the know, visit our website, sapusers.org forward slash pod. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast.
0: And just just kind of looking back a little on, you know, the challenges around the pandemic and, you know, what what that posed to you and your day-to-day job. Uh, I'm guessing quite a few challenges.
1: Yeah, quite a few uh, for everyone. Uh, the, f- the first thing was to make sure that everybody could work, everybody that needed to could work remotely. Um, fortunately, we had pretty pretty good DR, and we were reasonably well set up for remote access. But I must say, I do remember seeing, I was on a BBC website right at the start of the crisis, before it was really a crisis for us and seeing a time lapse video of the, the, the Chinese building a hospital in Wuhan. I, I think they yeah. built a hospital in 10 days for a thousand yeah. beds or something like that. And it was probably that that, made me, that really triggered me to say, you know what, let's make, it's one thing to have DR process on paper. Let's make sure. Let's make sure we're absolutely ready for that. Uh, so we, uh, we, you know, we made sure we tested our remote access. When the capability was there, we made sure we would have the capacity for everybody to, 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 to come in remotely, made sure we had all the multi-factor authentication sorted out uh, so, so that we were good to go. So I think we were, we were ready on that side. Uh, the other thing was just we were, we were using Skype struggling with Skype as many companies were I think at the time and uh, we were ready to go to Teams but we hadn't and we'd even got all the training documentation we ready, ready to go and uh, so we accelerated that course and the adoption was great but funny how a crisis can accelerate
0: adoption levels isn't it? Uh, very true and spoken to some uh, of our member organisations that the pandemic almost kind of drove them uh, to in adoption and, it if you like, change their policy going forward from an IT and remote working perspective forward, what would have normally taken two years in, in two weeks, because you had to do it. Yeah,
1: exactly. I don't think that was the same in healthcare. I remember having virtual GP calls during that time as well. And uh, so it's, you know, uh, so you can push that too far, but I think some, some of that uh, remote capability is, is, is really going to change the way, to, you know, lots of sectors operate. Mm-hmm. I mean, and beyond that, it was just about keeping team togetherness, you know, the regular check-ins, start, end of day catch-ups, morning meetings. Coffee mornings, these types of things, just to keep a level of connectivity. It was a really close knit team based in Bolton, um, all, all pretty much working in one office. So to try and recreate that culture virtually was was tricky, but we,
0: we gave it a good go. Thanks for that, Ian. And you know, where where do you go for for help when when you require advice on SAP related matters?
1: So our first port of call is is always to our incumbent support partner. Um, We moved to NTT Data a couple of years ago, well, over the last couple of years, certainly. And we've been very happy to have made that move. So that will always be our first first port of call, but we will also ask SAP directly. And whilst that's in the past has been patchy, I have to say, we we have a really good account director right now and, and feel pretty well supported. And, and also a specific, I would say, during our recent success factors implementation, there, as, as there always are, there were some sticky moments. And at SAP, we were really responsive during those times. And beyond that, we have connections with other businesses that use SAP f- through the user group. And, and also other SAP partners that we've built relationships with over the years that perhaps a bit more niche or have a, a, an expertise in one particular area of SAP. So do we do use of the user group and the connections we make through that and other niche partners is a, a factor into it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of quite an important, I suppose, building of your network and, and engagement in that community, be it SAP partner, that user group, which is obviously community of customers as well, that whole network is there to help and support. And how would you kind of rate the level of support? I think you said there you, you've been very well supported. Obviously, you said you moved to NTT uh, in, in the past couple of years or so, and you also speak to SAP Direct. What? how would you rate the level of support provided by software vendors and, and IT partners generally?
1: Yeah, Generally, support from partners is pretty good. Um, I think from time to time, they can be a bit stretched. You know, have they taken on too much work? That's not NTT, by the way, but I do think that one or two recent experiences would say that working on capacity management and you know d- demand management within the partner base would be a good thing. You know, I do think yeah. perhaps people are overstretched sometimes yeah. or in growth. So that, that, that's something to watch. Um, yeah. There's also the, the usual concern about specific people that are allocated to projects by partners. Some consultants are better than others. And and a couple of times recently, we have needed to feedback concerns about consultants that have been on projects and swap out those to ensure we get a good result. But in terms of software vendors, for, for SAP, I would say they've improved enormously during the seven years I've been in this role. I can remember days when SAP used to talk about empathy. Um, but I know, I know I think it's 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 a lot more real uh than, than it mm-hmm. was back when I took up the role. So that's encouraging. And with respect to other vendors, I, I think it varies quite a bit. And I, I don't know whether I don't know what you think, but I think that can depend a little bit on the relative size of the organization. Warburton's we might be a big UK brand, but we're we're not a global business. We we're a mid size business really. And I think that um how we're seen by vendors can sometimes affect the service that we get and that's something that plays into some of our uh, partnering decisions actually uh, to make sure that we're going to be considered uh, a worthy customer if you like and I think that works in the end
0: Yeah, and I'm sure I mean I I suppose I'll ask ask you this as such it's kind of an assumption for me based on what one of my long held beliefs that you know, you do business with people you like, uh and you know that people to people connection. You've mentioned the network that you've built and relationships that you've built. And if you've got really good relations, be it with SAP, be it with your partner, I would assume, rightly or wrongly, that you will get good service because you've built that relationship. Am I right or am I wrong?
1: Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, uh, so when I think back at, uh, to my view of SAP over the last seven years, you can't separate the fact that I was new myself seven years ago, so I didn't have relationships and it takes time yeah. to build those. So, you know, maybe SAP had more empathy than I realized seven years ago, and maybe that was just because I was new. So I did, that's a very, very valid point. Um, but partnerships, I I think that's absolutely right. I think partnerships and and personal relationships do make a difference. And that's something within our IT strategy at Warburton's. I see important not only with with vendors and and external partners, but also internally. Um, When I joined the team seven years ago, we were a really good IT department, but not necessarily as connected with the business as I would have liked. And we created some new IT business partner roles to, to be that bridge and to create that connection. Because I think it's through those relationships, internally, never mind externally, that we've been able to drive some of the value uh, that we've had over the last seven years at technology and wouldn't have been the case without those relationships being in place.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's quite true. We've seen, it, it's almost like the rise of the business relationship manager, so to speak. You, you know, we, we, we've seen it in, in certainly recent years, that we, we cannot cannot silo those parts of the business, IT, the business, or whatever, because of the way the world is going, especially with cloud, that both IT and the business have to work together, and, and the needs, you know, potentially someone or something within the business to bridge that gap, uh, because sometimes perhaps... We speak different languages across the two, and someone needs to bring them together.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and uh, you know, and the, the, the dirty word is shadow IT, and there's no such thing as shadow IT. It's all good now. Shadow <laughs> IT is where lots of good ideas come from. But certainly in the past, even in Warburtons, we would see shadow IT as a bad thing. And but I, somebody asked somebody asked me this at the conference of the week. You know what what, what kind of shadow IT have you got? And I said well. I think I, the IT team are pretty aware of the technology aspirations that our business functions have because we're close enough. We're kind of we're out with them in, in their meetings, uh, hearing their plans and helping to check their plans. So the idea that uh, you know a commercial team or the logistics team would go off and, and do something in isolation, it's pretty rare, actually. And I think that is because of the, the partnering relationships we've got that probably we didn't have in the past. hmm
0: OK. And, and just going back to what we were talking about there, about the community and, and network and obviously focusing on, if you like, the UK I community. And you, you joined the UK ISAC board earlier this year. So that congratulations on your success in the, the director's election, first of all. But what made you make that decision to throw your hat in the ring to, to join the UK ISAC board?
1: Yeah, well, th- thanks first of all, and uh, it, you know we're just at the start, but I'm really looking forward to to, to playing a role. I think the user group's really important. Uh, you know, um, when I have been in the job seven years, but so seven and a half years ago, um, kind of my first my first IT conference was the user group conference, and you know my most of my team from then is still uh, in IT now, and they took me along to that uh, as my first. Mm-hmm induction uh, to that arena. So I have fond memories of the part that the user group can play right from the start, even before I entered IT. Um, But you know what, I I think getting impartial advice and best practice sharing between peers is a great way to drive improvement and and to give something back at next to no cost. And I came to IT fairly late in my career and I've always been impressed by the openness and preparedness to meet up that industry peers have in IT. I I don't think that happens the same way in other business functions. I I never used to do that when I was was in supply chain. That wasn't really a thing in the the finance team. So I think we have something special in the IT profession um, with the preparedness to do that kind of sharing. And for me, the the user group is a great way to channel that willingness to share. Mm -hmm.
0: Excellent. you Know again, welcome and uh, certainly glad you threw your hat in the ring and yeah. uh, look, looking forward to the future driving even more benefit to the community through through your role on the board. And- I'll tell you what, actually, just related to that, I think that um. There is a job
1: for leaders to do, and I have to look at myself in this respect because we've been a member of the user group for years, and and we we do take have taken part and not taken part, yeah. and you know our input has varied, and but of course now by being on the board, the first thing I do is say, well, I better make sure that my team are playing a part and making sure that they're contributing, but so I do think though that it is the job of leaders to kind of push and encourage their team members to play an active role in the user group and to contribute, and. And I think that that's an important challenge for the user group, to find a way to unlock that commitment from IT leaders, yeah. to get the IT
0: leaders to make that encouragement. So I don't have the answers for that yet, but it's certainly something that I think we should focus on and I think will give us a good result. And I would agree. I've just had that conversation internally earlier today, to be honest with you, uh, on how we do that and looking for ideas. So we'll certainly follow up on that conversation. So I'll be uh, seeing you very soon as well uh, in person. So we we can certainly have that conversation a bit more. So, So just kind of moving on and kind of moving back to SAP and SAP projects in particular now. What should organisations avoid doing when it comes to SAP projects, in your opinion?
1: Okay, well, because I've said a bit about my background, you'll know that my answer won't be along technology lines. That's not my (laughs) speciality. But I I think one, one would definitely be avoid going it alone with the IT team. Most IT projects or business projects. Uh, not not always, but mostly. And, and I feel strongly that any tech enabled initiative should have a business owner, a business sponsor. And and that will ensure benefits are realized, any new processes are, are owned and adopted and, and become embedded in the organization. Because we have had a couple of examples in, in, in my time at Warburton's where we've, we, IT have overly led on initiatives mm-hmm. and it's become an IT project and then, and then the, the adoption hasn't followed and I wouldn't say quite that they've failed but they've not had the success that they would have otherwise done so we need to play our role but we shouldn't feel that we always need to lead on technology initiatives i think that's a mistake Okay,
0: excellent thank
1: you and it, i have a couple of other thoughts i mean, it, I, I mean related to that actually I, I think that it's really important that the business function that gets the benefit should own the relevant technology costs. Yeah. If it, you know if the technology development will give improvements to the commercial team, then I think the commercial team should take the cost of the implementation, but also the ongoing costs. And I think that's a good way to, to ensure adoption and that we get the benefits. It's all too easy for a, a department outside IT, IT to to ask for some technology capability. So it would be great if IT could just pay for it. For me, that's a recipe for non-adoption and we need to tread carefully in that
0: area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, Back, back to that ownership element, isn't it? You, ownership, adoption. If you feel ownership, you you are more likely engage and and adopt and utilize what what's being implemented.
1: Yeah, and I have another one actually, which I, I can definitely point at myself in this regard. um Something else to avoid doing is to avoid overcomplicating scope. Uh, this is something that I've fallen foul of myself in my supply chain days. Uh, some of our supply chain planning capability that I started when I was in a supply chain job and helped to finish in the IT job. It's really, really good. But I think with my supply chain hat on, I, I asked I expected a bit much. I, and I had a vision for a really grand thing. And, and that meant it took a really long time to get some of these uh, capabilities implemented. And you know, there was a couple of times where it was taking so long that we almost gave up. We didn't in the end and we've got some great solutions now, but I do think working hard to minimize, you know, it's minimum viable product or whatever. It's, it's starting, get a firm base, get that in as quick as possible and then build on it. And, and I think the the recent commerce cloud and, and sales and service cloud implementations that we've done, um, we absolutely worked with that in mind. We have something that's already delivering business benefit, but there's lots more functionality we can go out in there and we'll iterate to that over time.
0: Mm. Excellent, thank you. And finally, as we come towards a close now, if you looked into your crystal ball, what do you think will be the biggest change we'll see in IT? And I'll also throw business in there, potentially IT or business in the next five years.
1: Okay. I, I guess that could be answered in a number of different contexts, but I need <laughs> to be crazy. realistic. I need to be <laughs> realistic. Quantum computing is probably not going to transform the world of Warburtons in the next five years. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not going to use that example. But uh, there is one, one concept that I'm, I'm really excited about, actually. It's reasonably new. And I think it's one that will become widely adopted over the next five years. And that's the concept of a digital twin. I even like the term. Uh, that being a digital representation of a thing or a business process or a system that can help you simulate and model and plan out you know, for a range of different scenarios what, what the likely outcomes are for real world assets or real world business processes. And, and that for me leads into something related to that, which I think Gartner, Gartner called decision intelligence, where human decision-making processes can be simulated in digital form. And by overlaying AI on that, it can help to make better system-wide decisions for the long-term or, or in the moment. Um, so we're doing some exploratory work on the digital twin. Concept with within our supply chain right now. It's early days, but it's something. And with my supply chain background, I'm really excited about it. And whilst SAP will not be where we do that, the real the real world data feeds from our SAP system will be an essential ingredient to making that digital twin concept work for us.
0: Oh wow! Well, it certainly doesn't. I look forward to. Hearing about that as you, as you go through that process. Well, I must admit, when you started talking about digital twins, I thought you were going to make a holographic version of yourself. So you, you can work from the beach and uh, your digital twin pops into the office.
1: I, I, don't, I don't know if that will quite be in time for, for my retirement, but, but um, possible. We'll work on it.
0: <laughs> oh, Ian, thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to really thank you for your time, uh, for, your, for your thoughts and for your, for your insights. It's been really valuable to me in a, a, a really good discussion. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, to our listeners, I, I hope you've enjoyed listening and found value in, in the conversation. Thank you very much for, for tuning in and listening. And please make sure you hit that plus button at the top of the screen and subscribe so you don't miss any more future senior IT leaders leader interviews. And until the next time, stay safe, stay well, and keep washing your hands.